But he's telling you that he's a fucking weirdo, and he's telling you all these things. Yeah, I know he is a fucking. But weirdo. then you call him dramatic because he's a dramatic weirdo. I think you're. You I think be dramatic, you're dramatic and a weirdo. Oh, absolutely, I am. I don't think you're you know. Just I don't as dramatic think you know as me. what dramatic is, and you're just as dramatic as me. L- listen to you right now. You're hysterical. You're you're telling Rivers. You're hysterical. Who he is, and Rivers is trying to tell you who he is. But you you're know not what? Listening. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! Welcome to Asinine Radio, the number one music podcast number in one the world. Podcast, baby. In the world. This week, we are doing the banger of an album, Pinkerton by Weezer. But before we do that, we are going to quickly rank all of our Weezer albums from worst to best. Worst is the best. Because we are stupid. And we thought it was a good idea to listen to every single Weezer album this last week. It was a good idea. Well, debatable. Now let's just get into our rankings of the Weezer albums from worst to best. What do you got? What is the worst Weezer album in your opinion? Also, we're going to be naming the album and then talking about and then also saying what our favorite song from each of the albums are. So, okay. what is your least favorite Weezer album, Jeff? We had also pre-ranked our albums just based off of memory and whatever else. And so, when I when I rank the albums, I'm also going to give a number, and that number corresponds to whether or not that album was higher or lower in my new rankings compared to my old rankings. But Tyler didn't do that, so it's not a big deal. So, I'm just going to myself. But so, I will say that my rankings did change pretty drastically through most of the list. That's why I did this. It was because one album in particular just I was like, wow, this is bad. But, Jeff, you also know I don't think. That's I just true. do things. I do not think. Like I'm not a, a thinker. You just, you just I'm do. a dummy. I just do. Not as I'm told. Not as I'm told. Do I just do. So, my worst <laughs> album on my old rankings and my new rankings, this album did not change. It is still the worst album is uh-huh. Pacific Daydream. I'm with you. I'm with you, man. 100%. This this is, that is so far from being good that it's insane. It's so bad. It's, it's as if like Katy Perry co-wrote the album and then asked for like a shitty generic alternative rock band to play the, the music to it. Yeah, and, exactly. And like if I had to pick one, I guess I would pick La Mancha Screwjob. <laughs> but I mean that's just like me like twisting my own arm picking a song yeah. that I liked I'm the same way this is my least favorite uh, I really can't even pick a favorite on here so I'm just going to throw Mexican Fender because I just like the name of that song okay. but other than that like the entire record is just full of the same bullshit like it's not good at all and like what Jeff said with the Katy Perry like it's it's bad it's a bad record 
it's really that. So let's um, move on to the next one. What do we got? I guess this would be my third number thirteen, right? All right how many? Oh, because we're doing uh, death to false metal too, right? Even though you yelled at me about it. Oh, I, so I I put a side note in there for myself. So this is either number thirteen or fourteen. So. 12, oh no, this is 13. Yeah, yeah. We so this is 13 because yeah. we're doing Death to False Metal. Um, so this one, this album for me, or are we just gonna read the album and then you do it? Then I do the same, what like I gotta say, and then you say what you gotta say, then we move on. I forgot already. No, no, okay. So, so you do number 13 and then you tell why, and then I'll do my number 13. We'll gotcha. Do why. All right, so my number 13, this one, uh, is, is Black, the Black album. This one mm-hmm. actually went down one spot for me. <laughs> Um, this one just got more into like that stupid alternative indie rock shit without any kind of like of the alternative indie rock charm or quirkiness that you I know it's just it was just bad all bad straight bad so my number 13 is uh the white album it's in the same vein as pacific daydream just like shit indie rock like what jeff was saying about the black album it's bad oh what, what is your favorite song on black i'm sorry that's my fault no, go ahead. I got, fin- in, the no, no, I got, finish, I got in the way. What's your favorite song? Finish your on Black? thing, and then I'll get my I, favorite, and I, then you do your favorite, and then I'll do my favorite, okay, and then we'll do favorites. So, so, so my my favorite on White is uh, probably California Kids, just because I think that's kind of the only song I really heard on it prior to this, and even then, I don't even like it. It's bad. It's a shit song. It's a shit album. So, so w- what's your favorite <laughs> on Black? My favorite song on Black is "Can't Knock the Hustle." Okay, it's got it. so stupid. And it's so irritating that when I listen to it, I get excited. I get like pumped up. It's like fight music or something. It makes me just want, it makes me hate this thing so much, <laughs> but it excites me. <laughs> I hate that song so much. Yeah. It, oh, God. Okay. okay. Number number 12 or whatever. 12. So, uh, yeah, it's, 12. It's going to be Teal. And Teal dropped. Really? Teal dropped three for me. Oh, my God. You're crazy. And this is not Weezer's worst album. But this for sure 100% is their most disappointing album. It's like a pa- I'm not even mad. I'm just I'm just disappointed. They okay. completely sold out to that overnight success of that bullshit covers Toto. And then yeah. they reused some old covers, made bland vanilla covers that sound so similar to the originals that what the fuck is even the point? What are you guys doing? Fair enough, fair enough. But my favorite song is going to be the Africa song just because I think that is the only one on there that's fairly different than the original. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that's kind of debatable, but okay. Uh, number 12 for me is black. I did it. I agree with Jeff. What he talked about on black. It, it, it sucks, man. And my favorite song, if I can even call it a favorite song is can't stop the hustle pretty much for the exact same reasons <laughs> Jeff did. It's like, I hate saying that I agree with him like wholeheartedly, but yeah, that it's so yeah. dumb. That's bad, dude. It's fucking bad. It's like that that type of song that you would play, like in sync at a bar, just to piss people off. Like I would just play "Can't Knock the Hustle." <laughs> it's like the same shit. Sucks. Okay, so what do we got for number eleven? All right, number eleven for me, it's gonna be the White Album. This one actually went up two spaces. So I had this ranked a lot lower <laughs> previously, but it went up a couple spaces. Uh, very pop rock. A lot of Rivers kind of whining, singing like that whine sing that he was doing. Mm-hmm. No song really brought anything great. It was just all vanilla. Maybe that's why they call it the White Album. But it yeah, kind of did have like a nice laid back tone to it, I guess. Barely, not really, no. But my favorite song no. was um, was Jacked Up, but mostly just because his super high whiny vocals. 
but it was but even then it was still just it was okay just okay all right so wait number 11 right yeah so number 11 for me is uh is ratitude you, you know son i tried to a bitch i tried i tried to give it i i mean i gave it a a good chance i i really did and i got maybe three quarters of the way through and i'm like i i can't do it. i have to stop so i stopped and i listened to something else and then i went back to it and then i finished the album and then that was it like i just like rat i just couldn't i just couldn't do it with ratitude and then and and when i was listening to it i was in my car driving around at work and then i was too embarrassed and it was i was too embarrassed to roll my windows down because i didn't want to get be caught hearing these songs because they're so bad but there is one song on here that is probably my top five Weezer songs, Ooh. and that's If You're Wondering. If You're Wondering, I think, I don't know how this album made it onto this record, considering how bad this record is, but that song is just such a banger. That song is I a perfect song. Weezer song. It is. It really, really, really is. Oh, I can't wait to get into Ratitude. That's later. No. <laughs> okay. All right. What do you got for 10? Number 10. This was the album that, was uh, I think there's two of them that changed dramatically. This is the first one that went that changed dramatically in a negative way. This one went down six spaces, dude. Ah, Tyler. Did you say what I think you're gonna say? I'm gonna be so six mad. Six spaces. So I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and give I'm gonna try and say why, and then and then I'll I'll say the album. So this one was a little too pop for me. <laughs> it still had some solid okay. tunes that were kind of easy to sing along to, but I think overall it was just very very boring. It was just very kind of like a knee-jerk reaction to the album prior to it and this album is green i knew you were gonna say green i wanted to guess but then you said it too fast green. god damn it <laughs> but six spots that's a lot yeah so this that's one, this lot. originally was like my number like three or four no i think it was like my number four or five but yeah this dropped like six spots this album is not that great there's a handful of songs on here that are phenomenal weezer songs but other than that, it's just very, it's kind of like the same shit. It's like crab over and over and over and over. But my favorite yeah. song from this is Don't Let Go. I think those harms that come in the beginning are just absolutely Ooh, that's a, that's a really unmatched. One, yeah. Yep. Okay, so number 10 for me. Uh, this one dropped a couple. I thought I liked it more than I did. Uh, and it's Death to False Metal. Uh, this I thought it was heavier just because of the name. I, don't, I haven't listened to it in years. But yeah, I honestly thought I liked it more. Uh, but going back... It just it dropped probably like two maybe three spots for me. Um, and one of the the highlights of this album I think is the Odd Couple. I like that song a lot. That song's pretty rad. Okay. So that's number ten for me. So what do you got for number nine? Number nine. This album went up one space, so it kind of stayed in the same realm. Like now we're getting into the albums of Weezer that I I at least enjoy listening to. Like the the last mm -hmm. four, the White, Black, Pacific, and then Teal. I didn't like any of those at all. Like, I, I I will never listen to them again. But at least with Green, like I'll still put Green on for absolutely and listen to it in its entirety. And mm -hmm. all these other ones, I'll still listen to them in their entirety. So the next one is Hurley. That's number okay. nine for me. That one That's went fair. up one. Um, I appreciated the sound here. Some of the songs kind of sounded if they were throwbacks to like Steely Dan. I kind of mm -hmm. got that vibe to it, but they're still pretty catchy. Uh, my favorite song was Where's My Sex, even though it's kind of like an oasis bullshit ripoff i think it's a mm -hmm. good i think it's a good tune and it kind of just showcases the many different generations of weezer that's crazy okay but all right yeah hurley uh so wait are we nine number yeah, nine. nine so number nine for me is teal this actually went up i think a couple from how i initially looked at it 
I mean, yeah, the songs are pretty straightforward covers, but they're well done. They're still well done. And they're fun. And they're they're like one of the few good... The songs on this album are the, some of the few good 80s songs. Uh, and they just do a good job. I, I think Teal was a solid, like, 80s, 90s covers album. Especially just done so quickly and just kind of for fun. Like, you can just tell they were having fun when they made this record. So, yeah, Teal's number nine. Uh, my number one song on this is Take On Me. I think his vocals are great. I've always loved the vocals on the original song. Um, and I feel like Rivers just kills it on, on, on this cover. Just absolutely kills it. All right. So, there you go. Teal, uh, number nine. Number eight, which this one should have been tied with another one, but because, again, it's not a real album, so I knocked it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, that's going to be Death to False Metal for number eight for me. Um, it's a good assortment of songs. A lot of them are very different from each other, so I think that's kind of why they didn't put anything else on any other albums, and they kind of just did this comp album, so... It was fun. It was a good listen. My favorite song was "Everyone." That's a good. That's a really good one. But, um, that's a great yeah. song. Like I said, this this would have been tied with "Make Believe." Obviously, "Make Believe" the next one, but I knocked it <laughs> down for not being a real album. Okay, fair enough. Uh, number nine or number eight for me is "Hurley." Uh, you know, I I think this is like one of their their more straightforward rock records. Uh, I like that they came up with this album after the shit show that is Ratitude. Um, this is like a good follow-up to that record. I love that they what they chose as the album cover and the name of the album, and then the song, like the uh, the the main single on this this album was in the Jackass movie, and the Jackass Jackass guys were in the music video, and it was just like this. It was a really cool time, and uh, yeah. So I think Hurley is is a solid number eight for me, uh, and I think the best song easily is the song "Ruling Me," the second track. That song. It's so much fun to sing, and it's so fucking catchy. I love that song. That's a giddy. It's so good. All right. Okay, number no, seven. What number seven is Make Believe. Um, dude, Beverly Hills is one of the worst songs we've ever written. Like, hands down. I can't. That's almost on par <laughs> dude, with, like, crazy. Island in the Sun. Those two songs are so dumb, and they're just so pathetically cheesy that I just can't get over it. Can't get over it. Can't but, stand it can't stand you but the album actually makes up for itself kind of in like a pinkerton way in like the latter half it's very mellow it's good emo rock with like surprisingly really heavy guitars yeah absolutely my new favorite song is the other way i think it's so fucking catchy and so poppy solid and it completely saves the latter half of the album okay okay uh number seven for me is uh this one dropped i thought i liked this one more uh, simply because my favorite Weezer song is on this record. But going back to it, because I haven't listened to this album, and this album is Maladroit. I haven't listened to this album in at least 10 years, in its entirety. And now I understand why I haven't, and I only pick and choose certain songs from this record uh, to like put in playlists and whatever, you know? But uh, yeah, Maladroit is just not a very good record. It's heavy. Like I feel like the guitars are very heavy and they're very well done, but the way the songs are structured are very disjointed and they're very, they're just, it's not very catchy and it, it just kind of seemed like they were going with the flow, but like in the least catchy and poppy way that they could. Like it just, they didn't know, they, it just seems like they were so unfocused on this record, but their the greatest song they ever writ, they've ever written yeah. is on this record. And that song is American Gigolo. That song is a, it's so good. You said nobody it's so ever. Good. It's so fucking good. 
Oh my God. It's so awesome. And you know, you know, this is another example where, so Jeff does this thing where, you know, at some point in our, in our friendship, I've said, listen to this record, listen to this song. It's really good. Even just listen to this band. Like, like I told Jeff last week before we did the Misfits, I said, go listen to Misfits. They're fucking great. Never did. He never fucking did. And then when he finally does, oh, it's fucking amazing. This is great. Blah, blah, blah. You know, going on and on how amazing something is. So years ago, I said, Jeff, listen to American Gigolo. Listen to that. Don't, never mind the record. Just listen to that song. It's going to be great. No, it's fucking stupid. It's a bad song. It's just bad. Like probably six years later, you come back to me. You're like, you know, American Gigolo is actually a really good song. Like, wow. It's like, and you're going on and on about how great the song is and what's so great about this song. And you're like, oh, you fucking asshole. Dude, and, I'm a traditionalist, man. I'm a, I'm a Weezer and, traditionalist. What do you want And you did me? it. And you even did it today with an Angel and Airwaves song. And it made me so mad. Like, it's, hey, I, I can't. I like what I like at the time that I like it. I can't help it. God damn. I can lie but to you and continue this this charade of uh, the fact that I don't like American Gigolo. It's such a good song. Oh, you're crazy. Anyway, yeah. So that's the greatest music song ever made. Uh, let's move on to number six. Six for me. Number six for me is actually Maladroit. This one went down two spaces for me. Also, okay. Make Believe stayed in the middle. Make Believe was uh, besides Pacific Daydream. And two other ones. Those are the only ones that say the same. But Maladroit went down two spaces for me. This was like the heaviest shit that we've heard Weezer ever do up until this point. Yes. And if you get rid of Keep Fishing, like the album's pretty Which much is still a just good song. heavy rock, dude. It's just like straight up chugging, nasty, distorted, just kind of oddball shit. And it's so fucking good. An old favorite of mine used to always be Burnt Jam. I used to... I, I thought that song was like the bee's knees, which I still do. But my new favorite song that I could not get, I listened to this song maybe like 15 times this week. You better say it. Is Love Explosion. Ah, oh, you fucking idiot. No. American Jungle is a good song. It's a good song. It's not even the top like 15, 20 Ouija songs, but. It's actually the number one song. Dude, Love Explosion is so fucking good. It's a solid a good tune and it's got a really cool solo. You don't even like solos. What, I what, know. Are, you, what are you becoming? What are I you have becoming? no idea. Next thing you know, I'm listening to fucking Saint Anger or something, and think that's like the best thing ever. Huh? <laughs> no, no, you won't even do that. <laughs> like nobody can do that. Um, so number six for me is uh, this one. This one dropped like one, or yeah, yeah, it dropped it dropped one for me. Uh, but it's green. Green is number six for me. Uh, I kind of go along with what Jeff said. A lot of the songs really kind of sound the same. There, it was it was definitely a, de- a departure from where they were at on Pinkerton. Um, especially having the new member in the band and they're kind of trying to reinvent themselves and they did a good job of it on some songs, but overall the album was just, it was good. It wasn't anything super great. Um, but the one song that I, one of the few songs that really stands out, but the, this one especially is photograph. Mm. The way that song starts out, like with the, the high, the, the high vocals and, and the harmony. And... Oh, I love it. It is like one of the catchiest <laughs> things I've ever done. Yeah. If you want it, I can even sing that high. Yeah. You can oh, have so it, but you gotta reach out there and grab it. Uh, it's that's a fantastic song. So, all right, yeah, number six is green for me. So, what do you got for number five? Let's think our top getting in the home stretch. I think our top four is probably going to be the same. All right, let's do this. Number five for me. I haven't mentioned mm-hmm. it yet, but number five for me is Ratitude. Oh, dude, this one went were... up one. Oh, so. Wait, it only went up one. It should have gone up like, like if, if it's the. 
dude. This no. is number five. I'll be, come on, dude. It's not going to be top two. And well, it should be like bottom four. No, like mine. This is silly. No, Ratitude is basically like they did the Green album as in, as as this kind of rebuttal to to Pinkerton that everybody hated Pinkerton. And they did the Green album and it was really cheesy, really stupid. It's just it's really kind of pathetic. And that's why they put all the great songs in the beginning of that album, and then towards the latter half of the album, it just kind of blended together into one long just. Ugh. And so with Ratitude, what they did was they just piggybacked off of that. They said, "Hey, let's let's um let's do another Green album, but." Let's also make it kind of weird, like red, and just put a bunch of bangers in there. And that's what they did. (laughs) And they achieved it perfectly. (laughs) What you said made, like, no sense. Even from, like, a logical standpoint, it made no sense. It did. Ah. Ratitude and Green are very, very similar albums. No, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Dude, I'm telling you, they totally are. No, 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 no. But anyway, my favorite song is I'm Your Daddy from Ratitude. Okay, okay. That song is so bad. The video for that's really cool. Also, the cover art for Ratitude is probably one of the coolest cover arts they've ever done. I love the cover to that record. As much as I hate the music on it, that's the best cover they've ever done. I think that cover art too is it's it's, it's a dog jumping through the air, but I think it's from like a like a National Geographic photo or something. Or it's like a yeah, or it's a meme. Or it was something weird. In. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny that Back I laugh, was I laugh every like, time I watch it. Like not weird and and hip and sociable. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, so my number five is uh, this one actually jumped up quite a few spots, probably like three, maybe four. I think, I think, I think you're on make believe right now. Uh, yeah, make believe jumped like probably like from okay. what I'm looking at, jumped like four spots. I'm pretty four sure to our top spots. four is going to be exactly the same then. So four, yeah, or no, wait, are we on five? Five. We're on five. We're on five. five. Uh, yeah, make believe by Weezer. Uh, Beverly Hills, it's a really cheesy song, but. By far, not their worst song. That is their worst song. It's even worse than Zombie Bastards. It gets awful. (laughs) No, (laughs) Zombie Bastards is so bad. Make believe. I mean, uh, yeah, make believe. It's it's a pretty solid record. There are a few things here and there that are just kind of like what man, whatever. Uh, There's some really, really, really good songs. Um, Like I forgot how good. I know it was a single, but uh, Perfect Situation. Oh my god, that song is so fucking good. I forgot how well. Just that whole song flows and oh my god. My only so problem catchy. perfect situation is the intro. Really? Other than that, I think it's a perfect song. <laughs> perfect situation, perfect song. I think the intro <laughs> is so dumb. It's so overplayed. Oh, it's eh. over dramatic. It's too eh. much. Yeah, maybe. But uh my favorite song, and has been for a long time on this record, is uh Freak Me Out. I love the the harmonics on that. I love how quiet the song is. It, it's just it's really a, a huge departure for the band up to this point and I think it's a really standout track, really in their whole catalog, is uh, is "Freak Me Out." I, I I think it's great the way they harmonize with each other, the vocals, and it's great. Okay, but all right, there you go. So we're in our top four now. This is where I think it gets. This is this is the part that really fucked me up. Top or the top five? The top five. Top really five for sure is is our albums that I can listen to front to back, on shuffle. Every every song now will be great. There is one album that I have not mentioned yet that I don't know if you've noticed. I, I've noticed. But, uh, Trust me, number I've four. <laughs> <laughs> number four for me is Red. Okay, which means fair enough. You, I mean, if you can guess the other three, so number four for me is Red. I used to really dislike mm-hmm. the, the the latter half of the album, especially when we did this album with David. 
Remember, mm-hmm. I, I just I was always like, dude, this is so dumb. Like, I understand why Rivers yeah. always sang it could, because this is stupid. But dude, I'm I complete 180, like straight up. Right, Tony Hawk. I used to ride Goofy, but now I'm riding normal, <laughs> like straight up. Like it's yeah. the latter half of the album is the best, and everyone absolutely it's, kills it on their song. It's so fucking. It's so good. underrated. Yep. Favorite song, automatic. So, autom- Okay, that's an interesting yeah. pick. Okay, I mean number four is Red for me as well. Um, I, I mean I've always loved this album from from the start. Like I said when we did this album, this like nostalgic wise, it has a really special place for me, like where I was at the time. Um, and I feel like it's wildly underrated because of all the other guys being able to sing on this on the album and. The first half of the album is great. It's super catchy. It's what you'd want from like Goofy Weezer. Like the best of Goofy Weezer is on the first half of the album, but the second half is such a wild departure from all of that with all the the different guys in the band scene and I fucking love it. And I it it was hard to choose one song so I had to choose two. Oh, do it. But Cold Dark World. Mm. I mean, I've always loved that song to death, but also Everybody Get Dangerous. I mean, Ooh. the lyrics are stupid as hell, but my God, that song is so catchy. And then that one part where the, the music stops and you hear the car screech and, and crash. Dude. Like, it's so dumb. I'll br- but I love I'll it. bring it up now because you like that song so much. So I read this story this week when doing my, my, my Weezer research, my research. Your and research. Okay. <clears throat> so as we all know, Rivers is kind of, I mean, as we know him better than we can, I guess. I don't know, whatever. So he's he's always this like shy kind of introverted person, right? Just just very quiet, very reserved. So I guess when he was a kid and just got his license in the teen years, they used to play this game and Rivers was the one who like started it and he played this game with his friends and it was called Getting Dangerous. And what he would do was at any random time when he's going down like a big hill, he'd throw his car into neutral, take the keys out of the ignition and throw them in the back seat. And then he'd just sit there and wait for the people in the back seat to freak out, find the keys, give it to him, put it in the car, turn it on, get the steering back, and avoid crashing and dying. That that was real? That this is as far as I can tell. There was like two or three different articles that I read that this was a legit thing that he did. Wow. That's and pretty thus, fucking now stupid, that, but now I love that it. song, like everybody get dangerous, is about that. Yeah. And that whole like car crash thing, I think it's, it all it all coincides with each other. It all goes with it. Wow. Okay, I like that. That that's great. That's a really cool story. That's like the stupidest fucking game you could possibly play. That's like <laughs> no, it is really the only bad. thing. It's the only stupid, thing more stupid than that is jumping out of an airplane and then someone throws your parachute and you have to like catch it in midair. <laughs> that's the only other thing that's more dumb than this. And I can I could not believe that multiple sources were saying that this was a legit thing that he did. Uh, like anybody would do. Fantastic. We've never even done that, and we've done a lot of stupid. We've things. done a lot of really dumb things. But you're right, yeah. We we've never done anything like that. Um, <laughs> so let's move on to number three. I'm I'm really curious what your top three is, because this will this. Okay, what's your number? What's your number three? Uh, number three is. You ready? I'm ready. This one jumped up seven spaces. Oh. Yeah. This one uh, is everything will be all right in the end. I'm so proud of you. It's, I'm so uh, proud of you. This is like. They tried to rewrite the Blue album, but mm-hmm. didn't do it as like a copy of the Blue album. They took the inspiration from Blue and just added a bunch of fucking shredding and a bunch of rad guitars 
and said, you know what? This is great. This is good stuff. Yeah. It's it's shockingly good. I mean, this mind you, this album came out in 2014. This is like 20 years after Blue. Uh, but I mean, one of the reasons why I think it does sound like it is because the same producer, Rick Ocasek from The Cars, did both records. Um, but I'm just going to say it. Oh, wait, what's your favorite song off of Everything Will Be All Right? In the oh, end? my favorite song is, um, it was actually co-written too. My favorite song was I've Had It Up To Here which was co-written oh, yeah, by uh, Justin Hawkins, the singer for The Darkness. And, mm-hmm. um, dude, it's, it's just... Because Weezer... I mean, Weezer... But Rivers has also... He can he has a really high voice. He has a yeah, very, he has good range. He has a very great range. And, and But to get this guy in on with him, the guy from The Darkness, who can just absolutely break glass with his voice, I think it was, it was, a, <laughs> yeah. good, it was a good choice. It was good stuff. It is. So my number three, it actually dropped one. So... My number three Weezer, my third favorite Weezer record. If you say record, blue, I'm going to hang, hang up the phone. We're done. And We're I was done shocked. With the I mean, we are I was done. shocked. I was shocked when oh, I when I so made this realization this week. But blue is my third yeah. favorite Weezer record. It is. Um, hey, man, I'm just as shocked as you are. I'm not disappointed. I'm just shocked. But, um, but I mean, what can be said about blue? I mean, it it's an amazing record. Some great songs. On blue, There's I can some great songs. A, every song on blue is well, great. every song is great. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Every song on blue is great, but I couldn't, I could not choose between these two songs, my two favorites on the record, and that's Surf Wax America and Say It Ain't So. Two very different songs, but oh my god, dude, especially Say It Ain't So. I always forget how amazing that song is. I just, oh my god, both songs are, are wonderful, wonderful songs. So. Third best Weezer song is Blue. Hey man, I'm I'm shocked too. So you don't sound shocked. Do I ever sound? You sound do I ever you show sound, any emotion? You sound, you sound resentful. You sound conceited. You sound <laughs> egotistical. You sound revengeful. You you sound all these things except for shocked. So I guess I take it that your fa- your second favorite Dude. Weezer album is Blue. Actually, right? <laughs> surprise ending. You ready for this? No. My second favorite Weezer album is Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> I had my finger on the button too. I thought you were gonna do it. I was just gonna go right into it. No way. Uh, no, yeah, Blue. Yeah, Blue. I, I mean, we've talked about it before. Actually, it was a lost episode, so you won't be able to hear it. But Blue is is Bum such an you? iconic album of that time, coming off the coattails of grunge, and is setting the stage for pretty much any band that isn't hard rock coming into like the 90s 2000s and this current decade fuck dude mm-hmm. even weezer weezer set the stage for like mumble rap that's how great they were no that's what they did come on get the fuck out of here no nah, okay let me do that but i think they've they they've fully made use of like the great harms that you would hear from 50s rock and roll music and blended it with some heavy distorted guitars it all kind of just stayed a little emo though yeah this is good yeah, 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 for sure. Like old and new. I always try to like pick an old song that I like, and then pick like a new song. And even though I think every song on Blue is perfect, I think Blue is a perfect album through and through. An old favorite and a new favorite. It's the same thing. I can't get over it. It's Surf Wax America. I think it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> it's a it perfect representation of who Weezer was at the time, and what they were actually capable of doing as far as like energetic, fast punk rock. Yep. Insane. And the lyrics are the lyrics are so good. They're they're kind of quirky and fun, and they're just 
oh man, it's such a cool anthem and such a cool song. That's a rad song. I just want to I just want to hear your bullshit reasoning for why everything will be so, alright in the end is number two. <laughs> yeah, everything will be alright in the end is number two. It's the second best Weezer album. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your disappointment, but it's true. It is. It's it's a great fucking record, man. It like you said, it, it has everything great from old Weezer, but also like with they kind of upped it. You know, they they made they threw in some of the the cool elements of their heavier style and. It, and the the melodies are are a little bit different, but they're still super catchy. They this album is what they do best, where they write really melodic pop songs songs vocally, but the music itself is very kind of heavy and chuggy and and very much like that. And this this album has like that that three part like um like opus, and you know it's just there's so many cool things on this record. I just, I love it. I love the artwork. The artwork is so stupid but I, I I love it. And this is the only album that has like a really kind of, it has a long title. Like all their albums are like one word, maybe a couple words, but this one is a super long title. It's just, it's like the black sheep of their, their discography. And it's, and it's forgotten a lot of the time and it sucks because it's so good. I, I do. talks about it. I do agree that this is like the black sheep of the discography, which is sad because the actual black sheeps of this discography could be like five other albums. Yeah, actually, everything yet, except for the top top five or six. Yeah, and yet this is their second best record. So, um, third best, but m- no second. But my favorite song on this record is Cleopatra. I love the way he he sings. The, I like he has a very specific way of singing the the vocals in the uh, in the verses that are just it's so weird and unique and I don't know. I it's it's a really kind of like a pretty song. But it kind of tells this really cool story, and I don't know. I, I think it's it's a really well well made song. So good for them for making this record, and I wish they they play it more, give it more recognition. Really, it's highly underrated. So I guess that leaves our number one, right? Yeah, for both of us, it seems our number one album by Weezer is, of course, Pinkerton.
performed in February, on February 12, 1992 in Los Angeles, California by Rivers Cuomo on vocals and guitar, Pat Wilson on drums and vocals, Jason Cropper on guitar, and Matt Sharp on bass and vocals. They currently have 13 albums, 6 EPs, 2 compilations, and have sold well over 35 million copies worldwide. That we're doing today, like we said before, if you don't already know, is Pinkerton. It is the band's second album, and it was released September 24th, 1996. It features Rivers Cuomo on vocals and guitar, Pat Wilson on drums and vocals, Matt Sharp on bass and vocals, and Brian Bell on guitar and vocals. Uh, while being a flop upon its initial release, it has since been loved by fans and critics alike and sold well over 1 million copies, which seems kind of low. But let's just get right into Pinkerton and uh, what are what are our first impressions on this record that we all call Pinkerton? You can go first. <laughs> I can go first. You're still going. Uh, so I got I got into Weezer kind of late in the game, later than Jeff. I really only got into Weezer because of Jeff. Um, I like you know Hashpipe here and there, but you know I, I I knew nothing of Pinkerton. I barely even knew Blue. I knew two songs off of Blue. And even then, I didn't even like those songs that much. Not those being Buddy Holly and, and the Sweater song. But I think Jeff introduced me to Pinkerton like our junior year of high school. Uh, and at the time, I was very much a metalman, very much a punkman. Um, so I, I wasn't really into this kind of style of music like Jeff was. But I remember hearing Pinkerton, and I and I remember feeling, you know, how different this sounded from everything I had ever heard from at that heard from them at that time, and how raw and and just just kind of like weird this whole album what this record was it's so unique and so different from everything they've put out and a lot of stuff that other bands have put out especially up to that point so yeah that those are my my quick little first impressions on it if that was quick but very quick yeah yeah so, quicks dj quicks what do you got i honestly i can't remember the first time like i heard weezer i'm sure it was in passing somewhere i'm sure it came from me going to camp because all of my counselors listen to Weezer, and so I'm 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 going to assume that it's from them that I was uh, introduced. Oh my god, I choked hard. I was introduced to Weezer, and even like in high school, I I listened to Pinkerton. I thought, just like, dude, this is so deep. This is so insane. This is so earnest. This is so honest. I yes. I, I couldn't. I just couldn't believe it. Even to this day decades later it it holds more value it it gets deeper like there are so many there are so many sides to rivers and this entire lore that comes along with pinkerton that i'm still finding out new things even today that's mostly because the internet but i think it's amazing absolutely amazing i mean spoilers this is this is my favorite album of all time that's that is pretty insane. This is number one album of all time for me, <laughs> hands down. Like it's it it hasn't changed in decades. And this week, I've listened to this album so many fucking times. It's ridiculous. It it's an album that never gets old. I never tire of it. <clears throat> nope. So yeah, now, let's um let's let, let's dive in. Let's, so let's, let's, let's you want, okay? Do you want to start out with our 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 number one banger each, and then we'll talk more of how it was made and that kind of stuff. Does that sound good? I, I, I'm going to go ahead and just say that because this album is a concept album that 
I think jumping from song to song is going to maybe semi diminished kind of the meaning behind everything. <laughs> so okay. going back to like old school caviar and cigarettes, ask nine radio days, we should just go track by track. Okay. I'm but throwing it out there. The, but let's not do the bonus tracks. Cause that's like an extra nine songs. Okay. Well let, let, let's get into the bonus tracks later. I only want to talk about two of them. Yeah. There's only one of them. I really want to talk about. Okay. So we'll, we'll do that later, but, but yeah, so we, we don't have to play them either. Okay. So, so we, so that we already played tired of sex. That was our opener. Um, I to me, I think "Tired of Sex" is a perfect way to open a record, especially a record like this. You kind of get the 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 feedback from the guitars and just the really loud, bombastic drums that are just like that have no real like like they're gro- they're they're grooving, but they're not. It's like there's no melody. It's just like the drums hitting, and it's just one of the rawest parts of this record is the song "Tired of Sex." And lyrically, I, I think it, it really sets up the story of the entire album, the story that Rivers tells. So, I mean, I, I think it's a banger. We're, obviously, we're, we'll talk more about it. I'm sure you have a lot more to say about this this song, too. It, it's hard because I have so many fucking notes. Like, it's ridiculous. And I, I just don't, I don't have, like, a clear direction on where I want to go, where I want to start, how I want to do it. I guess... I guess we'll do tired of sex. So, oh, so like, okay, uh, do you see? I mean, no song. We gotta start. I know, but like, <laughs> but, okay, so, but I want to say because I feel that Pinkerton is essentially set up in two phases, in two acts, in two parts, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and I'll call it act because that kind of coincides with like the play thing. Um, the first act being the first four songs, tired of sex, get you no other one, why bother? And the second act being the latter half of the album, across the sea, the good life, El Scorcho, Pink Triangle, falling for you, and butterfly. Yeah, and so, but like the overall concept of this album has always kind of fluctuated for me, going between different things. But I think, like now, I have a, like a solid grasp on what's going on, and that's that's the theme of guilt. I think overall, this entire album is about Rivers specifically feeling guilty, and it's 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 Maybe. weird. It's weird because I'll change mind by the end of this, and it's weird because. <laughs> He's in a place where he's a rock star and he, all of his his dreams have come true but he still feels guilty and I think that's just like a human a human feeling to have is he doesn't want to have to, because tired of sex is the first song right so yeah. he's he's literally tired of having sex there's no deeper meaning to this there's no there's no reading between the lines this is a very honest song that you can take it at face value and that's a fantastic opener because you immediately hear, like you said, it's just straight chaotic. There's lots of symbols. There's that buzz saw going on. And it just goes into the him basically complaining about his rock star life. And I think it's a phenomenal yeah. way to open the record because it gets it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper from here. I think it I think it only I think this song is more appropriate as an opener as well, too, because of all of the success that they had from Blue. And, you know, living the rock star life for the couple of years that they did prior to this record or the writing of this record. So, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a very honest transition from album to album. But I will say, I feel like he's very, uh, I was very surprised by the lyrics on this entire record and how literal and how just he doesn't beat around the bush. I mean, for better or worse, I thought he was more of more, I thought he was more of a lyric, lyricsman in the sense where like he wrote a lot of metaphors like he i thought he had more depth there was more depth to his lyrics but it's not it's 
it's very on the surface and very straightforward and i was surprised not to say it's bad it's just i was surprised didn't expect it considering people just absolutely love his lyrics and then reading more i mean we'll get more into it on some of the other songs but some of his lyrics are kind of creepy but so i mean going into the depth factor i think these lyrics are so deep not in the sense where you need to search around to find what's going on but i think what he's saying is is absolutely so deep that it's refreshing because nobody writes like this and you get guys like Elliot Smith who are great lyricists and who, who can write deep lyrics where things are, you know, he uses a lot of similes and metaphors and things you got to kind of sift through. But Rivers is so honest and just so upfront about everything in this album. But it, at the same time, it's so deep. And like the backstory to this album, what it's based off, what he's going through at the time, his personal feelings, everything is just like coming to a point. And that point was Pinkerton. And is an absolutely okay. fantastic representation of of what was in he, Rivers' mind. It's like somebody took a picture of his brain, of his thoughts, and then mm-hmm. Pinkerton came out. I mean, that that's really tired of sex. There's not much more to talk about lyrically about this song. Um, it is literally him being tired of having sex with, you know, groupies and and women. This was um, this was one of the few songs that was written before Blue, if not the only song on Pinkerton that was written before Blue. Oh, I didn't know it was written before Blue. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the whole abandoned Songs from the Black Hole was Rivers' yeah. attempt at a rock opera. But that was after Blue. Right, that was after Blue and kind of at the same time. But Tired of Sex was written or started before Blue. He actually ran a website for a while called, like, the Book of Riffs or something like that dot com. And it basically just showed, it was like River posting just, like, a riff, and then he would date it. Okay, and so like for decades there was like this website that he would they would put a bunch of riffs on, and so like piecing it together because like the Weezer fan base is is, crazy. is like Radiohead fans or, or like other like Tool fans like they're insane. It's, they're they absolutely are, but they're not crazy. as pretentious. No, because they're a bunch of like dorky emo kids. They don't want to. They don't want to <laughs> fight anybody. Another random fun fact about Rivers was uh, the website Weezer dot com. Rivers used to go on to the forums and actively interact with fans under like different pseudonyms and just yeah. to get like feedback and see what people liked about it and of course like weezer.com was because i used to be a part of the tune everybody's really nice on there too it's not like youtube comments it's not like none of that no. bullshit everybody's really polite everybody's really nice a lot of great ideas thrown around but uh, but yeah so, so i don't know i don't that's fun i don't know if you saw on on genius lyrics uh rivers actually annotates a lot of the songs on this record like he actually has a profile on Genius Lyrics, and he's confirmed on there. And he'll like people will say something, and he'll correct them. Really? He'll put a comment and yeah, go on to. I've there's like maybe four songs on this record, and he'll like correct people, or he'll like at the begin or like as the main portion of what the song's about, he'll briefly explain what it's about, what it's actually about. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I thought that was cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So he's he's always been very interactive with fans, which I think is fucking awesome. Even though he ran away from you and I that one time, which kind of sucked. <laughs> that, that's that's who he that's who he is and was. And even though he's a lot different now and a lot more, I guess a lot more capable of of hiding that on stage because he's a lot more open on stage. But I still think he's just he's just like a shy dude. Yeah, he is. Well, so tired of sex. Um, I mean, musically, it's like like we were saying, it's very it's a very bombastic song. He's this. I think this might be the first time and only time on the first two records 
of this era that he actually like screams. Yeah. But it's not like a like a like a growl scream. It's like it's, it's like pleading. Yeah, it's it's like a cr- it's almost a like cry a cry for, for help. help. Yes. Yeah. And it is. So, yeah. He's 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 freaking out because he realizes this he, rock star he's life addicted fucking to sex. sucks. But he hates yeah, it. Yeah, but he's also a but he's also addicted to sex. He's done with it. Yeah, he, he took yeah. A, a vow of celibacy for years after this. He did, yeah. And so he he absolutely hates it. Doesn't like this life. And he like, and again, going with the whole guilt thing, like this is this is the beginning of kind of the end for the rock star of Rivers or Pinkerton that is that is based off of. We can get into Pinkerton like the actual play now, I guess, if you want to. Yeah, I mean, you want to go there? Well bring it up now. That um, way that we because, can, you know, go back and forth between the two. Yeah, because the the second song actually, okay, yeah, let, let's let's get into let's get into the actual name and what inspired the name and actually the concept of this record. So uh, there is an opera called Madame Butterfly, um, and it's an Italian opera. And while Rivers was writing this record, he was listening to this opera on a daily basis. He loved it, and he was so inspired he decided to theme this album around this particular opera with certain characters portrayed portraying the same person from from the dude, I don't even know what I'm saying but I got you I got yeah. you <laughs> Okay yeah continue I'm, so, I'm all over the place So Madame Butterfly is is the name of the opera the opera is essentially two acts and then later chopped up and made into three acts the premise of the opera is is about a man a naval officer his name is Pinkerton or BF Pinkerton or something but Pinkerton and he marries a Japanese woman basically out of like convenience just because she's there he's bored but he knows that while he goes back to america he's just gonna marry an american woman because of divorce laws and japanese like you don't give a shit like what does he care right and so yeah. his his uh actually his bride's name in japanese the chocho san is like i guess loosely translated as butterfly into english okay. so anyway they spend the night together after the after the wedding and he leaves shortly after that at some point he takes off. He goes back to America. She has a kid. It's his kid while she's waiting for him to return because he says, I'm going to return. And we'll talk all about all this later on in the, in, in the Pinkerton episode because we're yeah. going to talk about it. <laughs> and so he finally does return, but he brings his fucking new American wife with him, expecting to take that child and raise it as his and his new American wife's. So Butterfly, the, the, the woman in the play, she agrees to this only if she can talk to Pinkerton one last time. He says, no, I don't want to. Send his wife to go talk to her. And she's so hurt. She's so distraught by it that she commits suicide. But at the same time she's committing suicide in the play, Pinkerton decides, you know what? I will go talk to her, but it's too late. And that's like this entire downfall. And I think that's why this thing is Pinkerton because Rivers is Pinkerton. Rivers has this guilt. Rivers is going through this, not nearly to the same degree as the Pinkerton in the play is, but he has this type of guilt that he has. And at some point for Rivers, it's going to be too late. And that, I think that's what this entire album is about. That is what's going on. Yeah. The way he the way he's presented this album is it's pretty damn flawless. You know, the the comparisons are are absolutely insane. So, <clears throat> oh, I mean, this this can lead us right. And <laughs> this can lead us right into uh, to the second song on the record. Uh, get you. This song is my favorite song on the record. Uh, this is one of my top five Weezer songs ever. Whoa! Uh, I love how it starts out with like a chainsaw. It's so stupid. Uh, but this song, get you, was it was actually supposed to be on 
the original songs from the black hole, which Rivers was actually writing. It was supposed to be the space opera, um, which he eventually abandoned and then took some of those songs from that and put the, put them in Pinkerton. And this is the first one of those songs. So this song gets you, it, it tells the story of a guy named Jonas, possibly the same Jonas from the blue album, um, professing his love to a girl, but she doesn't like or love him, love him back at all. And he believes it's because he's a sex crazed freak and in turn begins to try to manipulate her. So, I mean, I think this is like strictly autobiographical. Like this is, this, I feel like this actually happened to him because he was, he was kind of so addicted to sex. Absolutely. This is, I mean, the, the fact that he talks about the very beginning of the, of the, of the song, it's, this is a physically abusive relationship. He says, sometimes I push too hard. Sometimes you fall and hit your knees. Again, Rivers is not being metaphorical here. He is being straight up. Whether or not that was him doing the pushing or her doing the pushing or anybody doing the pushing, I think this is an actual literal interpretation of a relationship that he had, if not all of the relationships that he has. Because he's done a lot of interviews as well where he's talked about why he's lonely and the fact that he meets 200 people a night he signs autograph. All the girls are just like, hey, I want to sleep with you. Hey, do you want my underwear? And he's just like, dude, I just want to talk. Like, I just want to hang out. But nobody wants to. So he ends up going back to his van alone by himself mm-hmm. because he's tired of this shit. And I think gets you because it opens up with that nasty buzzsaw, that nasty noise. I love it. I think that is is like the the peak, the maddest he is on this album. Like, tired of sex. is like, dude, I'm fucking done with this. And then Getchu is like, Ugh! like he's so fucking frustrated. He's so upset because then from there it kind of just go. It kind of slowly goes downhill mm-hmm. until the end of it. But well, I do want to play a little bit of Getchu because you know this is this is like the best song. So here it is, Getchu with the the buzzsaw or chainsaw and all. <laughs> There it is. That is Get You my by fav- Weezer. My favorite part of the song is actually the solo. I actually like all the solos on this album too, but <laughs> of course you do. I, I like I like do. the way Rivers plays solos. Like he's I mean he grew up a, a fan of glam rock, he was of Kiss and 
He 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 knows how to play the guitar. He knows how to write songs, but he also oh, yeah, knows how to incorporate the solos into like the melody of the songs to where they kind of flow in with each other. It's not a stop solo. Okay, let's continue the song. Cuz that I Did can't you... stand that shit. <laughs> you know what I read that his two biggest influences are Howard Stern and Ingve Malmsteen. They just it's so bizarre. Interesting. Like, why? Yeah. Howard Stern's I, I, very interesting. <laughs> I know, considering he's like the complete, he seems like the complete opposite of Rivers. Oh, yeah. And then, well, even like Ingve Malmsteen, too. Like, he's he's straight up a showman, like, and like a, you know, a winking guitar player. And Weezer's not, I mean, and Rivers is not that at all. I mean, to a certain extent. On, on, some, of the, on some of the live shows, Rivers likes to wink a little bit. Yeah, but that's different. That, I mean, because then you're entertaining the audience. You know? right. you're, not, you're not just wanking for yourself. You're there to like have fun with the audience and get the crowd reaction because people go crazy for that shit, especially when it's done at an appropriate time. Like He's a good showman. So Yeah, oddly. But, um, <laughs> but the solo in Get You, I, I think, is because the transition going into like the bridge is great, but then that straight leads into the solo. So it's almost like the bridge is just there to build up the solo. And the solo is like yeah. clumsy and sloppy and kind of all over the place, but it it perfectly fits with like the theme of the song of the album and everything. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. And I don't think it's the first time. I mean, I I'm like I'm gonna say it later, but it's definitely not the first time that I think is a sloppy solo. Because there's another mm-hmm. one later on that's pretty sloppy. <laughs> sloppy. Oh, yeah. No, there's one that's very very sloppy, in like the most inappropriate place to put a guitar solo. But um, if we're talking about the same thing, which I think we are. Uh, so let, let's move on to No Other One. This is the third track on the record. Um, you know, kind of my take on this lyrically. Uh, it's kind of just about a girl who's addicted to drugs, as well as a cheater who's constantly cheating on Rivers. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't want to break up with her because, you know, he's ter- so terrified of being lonely. But... Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's just straight up what it is. Like, it's him just talking about how how bad how bad she is, but he just he's so scared of being alone. It's sad, but it's just kind of like, you know, yeah, get over it. I don't know. Like, so, sometimes the lyrics on this record are just like, dude, you gotta just get over it, man. It, it gets it. This album got kind of frustrating for me lyrically. Okay, so when this so. when this album came out, Rivers was twenty six. So I mean, leading yeah. up to it, he's let's say he's like twenty four ish. So he's still not fully developed. I mean, definitely mentally. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think men like peak their mental developmental age until what, like twenty five, twenty six. So I mean, he's still he's in that mm-hmm. realm of where he's not quite there, almost there. But everybody's different, so it doesn't even matter. But I think this is like the the arch enemy of Get You. I think this is the opposite of Get You. This is this is the calm down from the intensity of Get You. Where Get You, I think, is basically a toxic relationship that Rivers has. But like, what the fuck are you gonna do, right? Yeah. Well, what am I gonna do? And well, then I no, even, I think even musically, the the song is is quite. It's it's a little bit slower than Get You, and it's more like it's more him just kind of being melodic and kind of. He has almost like more soaring vocals on this song rather than Get You. It's very kind of like, it's a very abrasive song and almost aggressive in Weezer, Weezer world. 
Get know. you is definitely physically aggressive. It's it's there's there's no there's nothing about it. Like it's straight yeah. up, it's physically abusive. A relationship that he has had. I, I I just feel like every relationship that he has at this point ends up being get you, and so yeah. he's guilty about that. He feels guilty about that, and then you come into no other one where the 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 verses are really kind of soft and melodic, but it's still just him making excuses for the shitty relationships he's being in, as opposed to just ending it, he makes these excuses. He's like, oh, my girl lies a lot, but you know, I'll, I'll put up with it because I don't want to be alone. And it's interesting because yeah. the entire time he's talking in no other one, he's always says like me, 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 I, 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 but there's only one line where he says, we're all we've got and we don't want to be alone. That's the only time he kind of mentions their relationship as if they're both talking or as he's as, as if he's talking for both of them but then it goes back into no there is no other one and then the ending chorus and so i think it's i think this is like the opposite of get you i think this is like him coming down from the anger of get you and saying like oh i'm really sorry i shouldn't have done that kind of like like you always see in like a movie right like the guy hits the girl and then he's mm-hmm. all pissed off and then he says like oh i'm really sorry i did that i shouldn't have done that like this is like straight textbook style dude this is Put to music. Yeah. Put to good music. Yeah. How do you? What do you mean? Uh, how do you not see that? <laughs> okay. Well, there's no deeper I mean, meaning. Are we to gonna it. play? Are we gonna play every song on this record? Why not? That's gonna take a long time. That's gonna take a long time. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. You got somewhere to be. I did. I not tell you. I, did, did I, I not don't tell have anywhere you? to be. Did I not tell you? Okay. Okay. You're being. You're being a fussy little boy right now. So all week, anyway, all week here, I've been warning Tyler this episode is going to be a long one. It is, and uh, it's going to be even longer because we're playing the song. No other way. song i feel like this is the the first time on this record where um where rivers is like this is the only time that that it sounds like blue or what they were doing before with the the verse the verses are very very blue and they're very they're just they're very poppy the first two songs are not poppy at all they're just very straightforward and you know hit you in the face but i love the dynamics in this song i I feel like they're fantastic. I agree. Sorry. I think I think um, the fact that 
there's a there's a lead guitar doing kind of like a noodling thing while he's singing in the verse. I think that kind of adds to that blue effect. And that's definitely yeah. something we didn't hear in the first uh, two tracks. But I also want to kind of go back overall, like the sound of this. This is a very raw sounding album mm-hmm. to the point where the drums straight up sound like they recorded just like in a, like one mic to in a garage. It does. It really sounds like that. And I absolutely one, love one, it. I love that, that tone too. I feel like the tone on everything, not just the drums, the guitars, the vocals, every the entire tone in, on this record is fucking amazing. And uh, they didn't. They decided not to get a producer on this record, so the band produced it, or Rivers essentially produced it, since he wrote all the songs. Uh, this is his album; it's his baby. But um, but what I th- I read something kind of interesting about how they track the vocals. So Rivers would go in, and he would record his parts, and then instead of like properly overdubbing, or not pro- but like how somebody would normally overdub the vocals, like you know the harmon the harms and everything he actually had the the other guys in the band they would all stand in a room together the four of them and they would just sing like with one another like they wouldn't like they would just all kind of do it live which i thought was really really fucking cool like this is like probably one of the most raw records of the 90s and just the way it was done and just the the vulnerability on this record is is really noticeable and I guess you could say admirable. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's, it's solid. It's true. Coming off like the coattails of Cobain's death, right, and the kind of the, the death of grunge in general, and then to really release this in '96, and this still is just as raw as what everybody thought what grunge like should have sound sounded like. But these guys yeah. are still harming and being emo and saying sillier things about breakups and things like that. I think that's dude, that's unbelievable. That's always that. Like I said, I mean, that's always been the appeal. I think that's what makes Weezer so great is that they have all these, these pop song harmonies and these pop song elements, but then they, they overlay it with heavy guitars and and loud drums and that dynamic. I think is what has made the band so popular, and that's why I feel like their their album, the Weezer albums, that are just like straightforward like pop music aren't that good because it's just like generic pop music. You need that push and pull of the two styles of music and that's what that's where the band shines. I honestly think that Pinkerton is the reason why we have so many shitty Weezer albums. And I think that because as we said earlier when after Pinkerton came out, it was just everybody just thought it was the shittiest thing ever. It was like the third best or the third worst album of the 90s or some shit like that. And Rolling Stone in particular had said that the album was juvenile and aimless. Later, you know, decade or a decade later, they took down that review and replaced it with a glowing, perfect score. Ah, fucking hate Rolling Stone. They're the worst. But I think to somebody like Rivers, who I don't want to compare him to this person, but I think like emotionally, he's like Sloan. He he's just he's very emotionally underdeveloped at the time. And so when all these reviews came out and he was coming off the coattails of Blue, where he he thought Hey Blue was great, but I want to push myself further. I want to do more. I don't want to be just like a one-hit wonder for Buddy Holly. So what did he do? He ditched his glasses, right? Right. He he got rid of those Buddy Holly glasses. He attended Harvard. Yeah. He he grew a beard, which was super weird because I, I didn't even know nobody knew he could even grow a beard. And then he started going through like this 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 leg 
extension process where he had oh, yeah. to like brutally yeah. lengthen his femur or some shit by putting pins in his bones. And every day he has to turn a crank to where his leg actually lengthens in, in, in length for like an inch and a half. And it was very painful. And so as he's in Harvard going through all this turmoil and stuff and wondering if he even wants to be a musician or if he wants to just finish school and, 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 and do that thing. By the way, his major was English, so I don't know if that means anything. But like all these things no. kind of just like coincide with each other. And I, I think that's just he's just like a normal dude that even now today, I still think he's finally probably accepting the rock star life and learning how to kind of live with it. Whereas opposed to Pinkerton mm-hmm. days... He had no idea what to do. He was super distraught. Oh, that was the point I was going to make. Was after after Pinkerton came out, everybody shit all over it. Then then we got Green, right? Green came after Pinkerton, and yeah. Green was, dude. Green was just like a complete one eighty, a complete one eighty from mm-hmm. this. Matt Sharp left the band. Green came in, and it, it, Island in the Sun came out, and then after that, it was just like downhill. And I feel like they're, they've slowly over the years have started to like finally pick up their feet and and get their footing and, and get and get back to where they were in Pinkerton. I think like everything will be all right in the end. That album was the first time that we've heard them kind of embrace who they were and then who they are. Yeah, and what makes them great. Right. You know, that's what it is. Um. Okay, so so let's move on to "Why Bother," by by Weezer. Um, I feel like lyrically, the song really didn't do much for me. I thought it was pretty generic. Um, I mean, it pretty to me from reading it, it's just how he just got in a relationship, but he's not really into it because he just knows that it's gonna end in the. It's just gonna the the relationship's gonna end. She's gonna break up with him, and he's gonna have a broken heart and. It doesn't get really, to me, it doesn't get a lot deeper than that. I mean, I don't know. But I, I think this is like, Why Bother is one of my other favorite songs on this record. This to me. I love the structure of the song. It's happy. The The song itself is like a kind of up tempo. It's a happier song on the record, but lyrically, it's kind of, it's depressing, but it even then the lyrics are just kind of boring. I think that's what makes this song. Dude, like I, every, I think every song is great, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this song's great, and so I think that's what makes this song great is because the fact that it's so, just kind of like whatever's, but it's just him saying like coming from the other three songs before it, everything's leading up to this point where he's just like, why the fuck do I even like why like why even bother doing this shit? I don't even care anymore. And then towards the end of the song, when he actually kind of mentions, almost like in a suicidal tone, where he says, "Knock me on my head, crack it open," like that's. That's like sad. And this is like the last song of the first act that I was it talking is. about. Because after this, he finds kind of what he's been looking for. And so I think this song is immensely important because this shows him at his absolute worst, almost to the point of suicide. The night is dark think, as before I feel like, dawn. I feel like Rivers at this point was very kind of dramatic. Um, whether or not that had to do with his upbringing as a kid from what I've read, it's just like, I feel like he just, he just, he's just straight up dramatic at points. And, and this is another example. Like a lot of this record is just him being dramatic and him just being self-conscious, but also just like, dude, 
get over you. Like he's well, you can't you can't sometimes bring he just needs word, to get over himself. You can't bring up the word dramatic and then also use it in the same like context as being self conscious because if you're self conscious about what you're doing, which Rivers, I mean, clearly is like everything you've seen him do, everything you've seen him or, or, or read that he, the lyrics he writes, the song he writes, like you know he's self conscious, you know he's shy, and so to say that yeah. to, to like to say that he's dramatic is just kind of brushing over the overall tone of who what what makes Rivers an actual person. Like everybody's different and this is who Rivers is. So to call him dramatic, I think is unfair. No, it's not unfair because somebody can be dramatic just because of who they are. But that's a that's a subjective term though. That's a subjective term that you're imposing onto well, it, him. Well almost well a lot of things are, are subjective, but, but I now mean, you're you're telling Rivers who he is. And Rivers is trying to tell us who he is, but now you're saying no 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 no. I'm gonna tell you who you are. But that's but what how you're doing. okay yeah, but but the way somebody perceives somebody else can be different than the way somebody perceives themselves. Wait, fuck, what am I trying to say? No, that's exactly true, oh. and that's my point, is Rivers wrote this album to tell you, he said, hey, Tyler, I know you think I'm dramatic, but here's how I feel. And what Tyler does is, nah, poo-poo, you're dramatic. Get over but yourself. Yeah, that's I mean, what you're doing. He, But because he, he, at points, he is dramatic. In your opinion, like, but he's literally like telling you like line by line how he feels. And you're okay. still saying, no, 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 you're dramatic. Because he is. But how is he dramatic? <laughs> the things he said. Like what? I, I can't name any of the specific oh, lyrics oh, at the moment. Oh, he just listened to this album for a week, but I can't. Oh. Okay, okay, all right, all right. Oh. So we'll move on. Okay, anyway. We'll, we'll move on to the next song because Tyler just got fucking killed. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going gonna, gonna to play Why Bother because it's going to hurt me, you know? Um, so the next song is called Across the Sea. Uh, this is this one. I feel is like the one of the creepiest songs on the record. Uh, so lyrically, it's it tells the story of him of a of some Japanese girl who wrote him a letter saying she heard him on the radio. Uh, she knows like everything about him, and because of, and because it was so sincere, and you know the way she worded things, he just like fell in love with her just by the writing of this letter. And then so they wrote back and forth for a little while. But he was never sure, like, how old she was. Like, she could have been 12 years old, you know? Like, so he, and there's a point in the song where he starts to question that, like, you know, is it, is it wrong that, that I feel so in love with her because, uh, because, you know, she might be wildly underaged. And then at, toward the end, he kind of talks about, like, how he wants to, like, watch her masturbate. And, like, it takes a quick turn real, I mean, it just, it, it's weird. It gets weird real quick. So, I don't know. I thought this song was more of like a romantic song, but then it it is at first, but it really takes a turn. All right, well let's 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 start from the beginning here. I think this is one of the best intros that Weezer's ever done. I think with the weird piano, it comes straight off of Why Bother in the sense like good life comes off of we'll get into later. But I think I think the weird <laughs> piano intro comes kind of straight off of why bother in that sense where I, like again I said he was like kind of at his at his lowest point and then that mm. just that hard fucking guitar chord that that was good that's exactly how it sounded I think that was so powerful I think it was so good and you're right this was largely inspired by like a family that he got from some Japanese girl and even more so like he he like incorporates that into the song right the the first line, you are 18-year-old girl. Yeah. How it's kind of like in that broken English, you are 
eighteen year old girl. That's how like a broken English Japanese person would say. It. I think that's <laughs> yeah. That's so good. That's so, like subtle things like that. Rivers does on this entire album that just makes this just a little bit extra, a little bit extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And going back to the intro, this this intro is very reminiscent of a Beach Boy song. Um, I think it's called "If You Believe If You Believe in Me." Very very similar intro. Definitely inspired inspired from this Beach Boy song. If you listen to them kind of back to back, you can clearly hear it. Just a piano part though. But wow, this song is like top three Weezer songs for me. It's so fucking good. Really? It is so phenomenal. There's so many parts. There's so many layers to this. And then going back to the overall theme of of like the Madame Butterfly, of the play, the entire across the sea thing, like the fact that Pinkerton himself left his wife to go back to America across the sea, and this whole thing is across Mm -hmm. the sea, and it's kind of mirroring that same kind of concept of being away from somebody you love. And yeah. that's not to say that... But then, that, but that then Rivers, also not knowing who they are exactly. But yeah, exactly. It, that's not to say we, that Rivers was in love with this girl because, he, you know, he just... He just he, he loved this letter. It was such a well-written letter. In the same way that you and I, like, love Tom DeLonge. I don't know fucking Tom DeLonge. <laughs> I don't know him, but I love him. He's amazing. I'm a marksman, <laughs> and I love Tom DeLonge. I, we don't know them, though. Rivers didn't know this girl, but well, he still loves her. You can still love her. I mean, I talk something. to him almost every day, but... That's but, the, but, but I think, like... The concept of love is is a little bit lost in the sense that people are going to take this a little too literal in the fact that Rivers loves a fourteen year old. That's gross. That's weird. Get over it. It's like mm-hmm. no, he he loves this well written letter that was sent to him by somebody that didn't even know who he was, but cared so much that it, this letter moved him in a way. Yeah, but in the, the, but in the, the way, same way that songs move us. But the way the song is sequenced is just weird because. Like yeah, he toward like the beginning and the middle of the song, he is kind of like in love with, with either her or the style of the writing, or like you know, or just the letter in general. But then he he starts to second guess himself and question why he thinks that, and like if they ever met, would like he she would probably end up hating him. So his his insecurities come into into play, and then he gets like he gets really kind of weird about it. Like nobody really talks about like how kind of weird he is. Like in in kind of a creepy way, but he talks about how weird he is. I know, but no, I I know he does, but nobody. He, he like straight up tells you how weird he is. He fantasizes well, about a lesbian, and he I says understand that. he fantasizes about marrying somebody he doesn't know. Like, what do you mean nobody? Everybody knows that he's weird. That's yeah, what made that's what made Pinkerton so great because everybody knew that he was weird. I guess I guess I'm just looking at it from the viewpoint of current culture in 2019 soon to be 2020 where lyrics like like on this record would not be appropriate nowadays it would get flagged so quick the only and part it would be it would be buried so fast the only part of this song that's weird is it comes after the i could never touch you part and then cuz i mean i can never touch you it could just be like he's embracing her a hug a small kiss whatever a handshake but then like the next part where he says i think it could be wrong, it would be wrong Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the part that makes the I can never touch you kind of fall into like the pedophilia yeah, aspect exactly. of it. I, I love the, and the musically like this song just bounces around all the time. Pat does a killer job at all the fills and the leads. His drummles are amazing. My favorite one is the one leading into the chorus before the solo. I think it's absolutely perfect. Okay, two minutes well, ten seconds if you want to play it, but or we can move on. No, I mean we we could play a little. You bit got you got somewhere to be apparently. So I don't because I was gonna play Why Bother, but then you just totally disregarded it. You should just play the entire album as we talk over it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, 
Here's a here's across the sea. I kind of started it halfway through, so here it is. Across the Sea by Weezer. Come on, man. Those lyrics. Weird. <laughs> is it weird? Yeah, it is. But anyway, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on to uh, quite possibly one of the best songs on this record. I think you might agree with me on this. The Good Life, baby. I mean, the I think they're, I think they're all tied for number one, but. <laughs> but I, come on, man. This This is probably the catchiest song on the record. It's the most upbeat song on the record. Um, I mean, this is just fantastic. Uh, you know, he he. From what I read, he wrote a lot of this song when he was all drugged up after his uh, leg extension surgery. Um, so I mean, the like like a lot of the songs on this record, they kind of he kind of lyrically just like jumps like randomly to something else. Um, almost like a split personality kind of thing. Like in the be- toward in the beginning of the song, he kind of talks about how cool he is. You know, look at himself in the mirror and this and that. And then, then the pain of like surgery and reality and all this other stuff kicks in. And then he just it, the like the second half of the song is just him self self loathing. Like it's it just that that transition is so drastic and so weird. I th- I think this is the first song on the album that kind of departs from the overall theme in a way mm-hmm. i think the first five bleed together just absolutely perfectly this one kind of is going back to like the first act in which he's kind of guilty that he has his perfect life this good life but he hates it he fucking mm-hmm. does not like this and everything that happens in his life is just so miserable and everything he does is awful and he hates it and everything sucks but he blames himself. Yeah. Like he know it's his fault, and he knows he should be more grateful. But 
he doesn't care. And I don't like at this point, I don't think he even knows what the fuck the good life is. I think that's why this song was written after Across the or put on after Across the Sea, after he finds that that spark, that spark of love. He puts in the good life to say, like, I don't even know what the fuck I want. I've been complaining this whole time about being a rock star, being a rock star. And now I'm falling in love with a 14-year-old. Like, what the fuck? What is going on here? I don't even know what I want. I think that's what this song is about. It's him just straight up, like, not knowing what to do with his life, with his personal life, with his career, everything. Everything's coming. Yeah. Everything's boiling down. It is. But then it's 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 literally the poppiest song on the, the whole album. Yeah. So... I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play some of the good life because, goddamn, it's a listen for those snaps. Here it is. That is The Good Life by Weezer. The Gee Life. So outside of the super, super catchy guitars, the very catchy melody, uh, let's talk about Pat's drums, man. Like the way he, I mean, this entire record, I think he kills it. And this is probably his best drumming on any of the records. There's so much swing and so much groove on all of these songs and he he's he just plays so perfectly on this record and on this song i love the drumming on this song it's so just like i said before he just it's just very kind of swingy not even bouncy just swingy and but he still keeps it in the pocket man it's so fucking good it's funny because in the video it. you actually see him kind of just like goofing off playing the drums and then he'll look at the camera because it's, it's that chopped up video mm-hmm. for the good life and you can see him kind of look at the camera and like point the stick at the camera sometimes, and like you know he's just having like a great time playing the drums, and that's what it sounds like specifically in this video. Just how he must be having so much fun playing this, and you know it because is. everyone it's else so is having fun. so much fun, right? The snaps in the beginning of the song, yeah, leading into the first verse and like that that guttural like rush voice or whatever <laughs> it is, which is probably yeah. Matt Sharp, and then later on when he says "screw this crap, I've had it," and then the high I've voice comes it. in, yeah, yeah, like this is so much fun. Yeah, just 
just so goofy. I I love it. It's but it's that a great also song goes to put right in with, the middle of the record. But that also goes in line with like the theme of like Rivers doesn't know what he wants. We all know Rivers is very very controlling, right? Like his first band mm-hmm. Avon Guard and then like Zoom. He was always controlling to the point where if people wouldn't show up for rehearsals, they were out of the band. So he's always been very controlling of of kind of like the intellectual property of the music he's writing. And so yes. to put the good life in there and allow for all this kind of quirkiness and goofiness to happen, it just shows you, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do, but let's try this out. And that's kind of what's going on here. And I love it. Absolutely perfect. It is a perfect song, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so the next song, El Scorcho, he, he gets a little bit, you know, kind of kind of self-loathing a little bit, but also just kind of... He has a tendency on this record to get very um, delusional. He's very delusional, very very delusional. It's kind of crazy, but the uh, in in El Scorcho he talks about you know being in, being absolutely infatuated with this girl, even though they have nothing in common. But he just thinks you know because he's so attracted to her, and she thinks that he's so nice that they'll just be good together. They're gonna live a happy life the rest of their lives, and that's it. And then toward the end of the song, he realizes, oh, wait, I'm a little too shy and I can never talk to her. So this whole relationship's never going to work out anyway. So I'm just going to give up on it. So it's like he just makes up this entire, like on a couple of these songs, he just makes up this entire huge scenario of his life with one particular girl and then just completely second guesses himself. And that's kind of like the theme of like the individual songs, you know? So. I, I- I said this before, but I think you're missing the forest through the trees, man. <laughs> I think you are. You almost had it with El Scorcho. Uh, I, I was I was rooting for you. You almost had it. You're right. This is no, about like crazy. this is about like falling in love with just some random girl. But it gets deeper than that because he does not have anything in common with her. This girl doesn't even know who Green Day is. She plays the cello. Like they have nothing in common. She loves wrestling. But then she starts listening to Cho Cho San, right? Like mm-hmm. that part in the song. And to throw it back, I don't know if you remember, but Cho Cho San is like the main, I guess, protagonist in the Madame Butterfly. That's Butterfly. And so when he hears that she's listening to this thing that's just been running his life for the past couple of years, he's absolutely blown away. And that's the thing. That's the one thing that they connected on and became like one. And he was just blown away that not only did she even listen to it, but she loved it. And this is the song where I think he... He really tells you who he is as in, in, in the way that he's shy, that he's introverted, that he doesn't want to talk to people. He has to write music. And that's when the part speeds up in the bridge when he says, how stupid is that? I can't talk about it. I got to sing about it. Like he's telling you that he's a fucking weirdo. And he's telling you all these things. Yeah, I know. He is a fucking but weirdo. But then you call him dramatic. Because he's a dramatic weirdo. I think you're, I think dramatic, you're dramatic and a weirdo. Oh, absolutely I am. I don't think you know what dramatic is. And you're just as dramatic as me. L- listen to you right now. You're hysterical. You're you're telling Rivers you're hysterical. who he is. And Rivers is trying to tell you who he is, but you you're know not what? listening. You I know think what? You, I'm telling I'm think telling you. Heard I'm, telling you I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if you give this album like a 2. Oh, I'm going to give it a 2.9. <laughs> I think you heard this album this week, but I don't think one time you actually listened to it. Oh, you're such I think a you heard idiot. it. You took you took a couple little notes here and there maybe, but I don't think you actually listened to this album. I listened to it like a thousand times. I think you've heard this album a, a thousand times. times. A Absolutely, one hundred percent. I believe. Maybe in a million. Sure, I'll buy that. So, 
So some fun little facts about this song. I don't know how true this is, but apparently the title of the song El Scorcho was named after the hot sauce from Del Taco. Do you think that's true? No. You really don't think so? I don't know. It does seem kind of kind of weird a weird thing to do that I can kind of see them doing. I mean, maybe it's but, possible. I just like none of them are really from Maybe Matt is. No, I I don't think any of them are really from like the Southern California area. Yeah, but the but the band are essentially from Los Angeles, the mecca of Del Taco. But like in everything you ever, I mean, it it, it could just be like a total random thing that they've done. Absolutely, you never know. But like the way they met each other and like everything, like nothing Del Taco never stood out. Like Rivers used to work at Tower Records. A dude named Pat Finn came over from the East Coast, and he brought with him Pat Wilson. And while being at Tower Records, he met Rivers, or he worked at Tower Records or something, he met Rivers, and then introduced, or said, hey, Rivers, come to my house, and let's hang out. And then Rivers saw Pat Wilson there, the drummer, and that's how they met. And they eventually met Matt Sharp in some other form, and then they met the original guitarist, Jason Cropper. And it was just kind of like this guy, Pat Finn, who is essentially the reason that Weezer even got together. Because none of these people knew each other. Nobody grew up with Mm -hmm. each other. They all met by happenstance because of this dude, Pat Finn. Yeah, but they but all, all the met stories that in I Los read, Angeles. But all the but stories they all I met read, in Los Angeles. All the stories that I read, Del Taco was never mentioned. So do I think it's about if Del it's Taco? Not mentioned. Nah. <laughs> nah. And I don't know if you've oh been to Del God. Taco, but I don't know if you've been there, but it's not it's called, called Del Scorcho. Scor- it's Del so. Scorcho. I understand that. I, know I don't know if you understand because you've never listened to this album and you've never been to Del Taco. Apparently. Oh, you are just out of your goddamn fucking mind tonight. I thought we were, I legit came into this. Thought, thinking like we're gonna have a li- awesome like deep conversation about this, but really what we're gonna do is just talk about how cool the solos were and and then praise like some of the drumming. But we can do that. That's fine though. Have you not? Have you not? I obviously you have not listened to me because every time I've introduced a song, I have said exactly what I feel the song is about lyrically before I even talk about anything else. But you're not even like and then you go on, like and, the and concept and then you overall go, or, or I, like the similarities you to the have. play itself because you already for nothing. Have. Because you already have, so why would I repeat Tyler, that? Tyler, I'm, I'm going to give this 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 Jeff. conversation a 1.8. <laughs> you're such an idiot. But yeah, 1.8. <laughs> I did I did see that uh because River like I said on Genius Lyrics, uh River is is a verified user on that. And he did clarify, one of the things he clarified was in the song, the girl he's talking about in El Scorcho is actually not half Japanese. She's half Korean. Mm. So he fucked up his own lyrics. That's how dumb he is. Well, I think that just comes from being, I mean, unless like you spend Dude, time. it's a joke. It's a joke. Relax. I know. I, I know it's a joke, but I mean, everybody's in the same boat. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> I'm off the boat. <laughs> Racist, I guess. No, I I got the joke. You didn't have to explain. You ruined the joke by explaining the joke, oh, but that's I fine. Well, we'll 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 continue on. All right. But anyway, I'm gonna play El Scorcho since you're being a little a little whiner about all this. Uh, considering I did do a lot of fucking research, yeah, and uh, you're being you're being you're being like beyond fussy tonight. So here it is, El, El Scorcho. Jello, baby, too 
Love this song, fuck man, that's a good song. It's funny because this whole... is the song that we always play whenever we jam, and you would yeah. think that after doing it for like decades that we <laughs> that we'd hate it. But dude, I can listen no. to this song all day long and never get tired of it. That the whole build up to the fast part and then the, the stupid solo. Oh, the dumbest oh, solo my ever. God. But it's so it's so <laughs> fitting. It's so fitting for this song and for this album. But man, I love that build up. It works well too because of Matt Sharp's kind of the bass shit that he's doing in the solo too. That bam, 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 and later on the yeah. thing that he's got going on, which Matt Sharp is an integral part of not only Weezer but of Pinkerton itself. Oh yeah, he's he's wildly underrated. I feel, I mean, because everybody talks about Rivers and his songwriting, but I honestly feel like Pinkerton and even Blue. I mean, those two albums would they would be subpar if it was not for Matt Sharp. He had so much nuance and so much so much character to the songs that Rivers just can't deliver all the time. Well, legend so. legend has it that Matt Sharp was not only like a, an important member of Weezer, but he was also like like Bizarro Rivers. So where Rivers was this super serious kind of wet blanket, Matt Sharp was the complete opposite. But Rivers respected it so much that later on we'll get into it but the song butterfly he actually took to matt sharp supposedly and said hey dude here's a song that i wrote like what do you think of it i don't think i'm gonna include it on the album and matt's like no like if you don't include this song on the album like i'm done like, i don't want to do nothing i don't have nothing to do with weezer and so like, hmm. that was the reason why butterfly is even on the album even though it's very different but very the same 
But Matt Sharp is <laughs> very important to not only Weezer, but Rivers' life in general. Yes, agreed. Absolutely agreed. And I really, really fucking like kicking myself because I did like an acoustic set, him and Rivers, in like 2008 at Cal State Fullerton. Oh, yeah, Fullerton. that's right, huh? And it was like you a super, go. well, I mean, this was, you know, before like Twitter and stuff and uh, some mobile phone. This was like You when, don't even use social media because your phone is so shitty. This was like back when we had to walk it. two miles in the snow both ways. So, <laughs> yeah, 2008, they did like an acoustic set, just him, Matt Sharp and Rivers at Cal State Fullerton. Ugh. Can you imagine? Dude, that's like. God, that was so cool. Uh, that, um, mm, I can't, I don't even know. I, I have no words to describe Clearly, you, how you bad don't. I would want to go to that show. Clearly. <sighs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to uh, to Pink Triangle. We're almost done with this album. Uh, this Ooh, one. Thank God we are. Oh, oh. What? I said, thank God we're almost done with this album. Oh, Tyler. Oh. No, no, I fucking love this album. Uh, so, Pink Triangle, this is. Um, this is him pretty much just falling in love with a girl from afar uh, and dreaming about her constantly. This is while he wrote this while he was in Har- while he was at Harvard studying. Uh, he would always see this girl and dream about her and was just like in love with her and just wanted to talk to her. And he finally did and come to find out she's actually gay. So he titles the song and writes the song in like the most literal sense. And I, it it really works really well, and I don't know. I I think it's a great song. It's it's an underrated song on the record for sure. I think it, again, dude, it just goes into this whole thing of just how how normy, how how much of a muggle Rivers actually is. He's just mm-hmm. a normal fucking dude. Like, remember in high school when you would do the same shit, or just like about anything, oh, yeah. just daydreaming about anything. This dude's twenty five, and he's still doing this. And not only that, underdeveloped as but, he yeah, but he's taking it a step further. And he even says, we were as good as married in my mind. So he's but married not only in my da- mind is no good. So not only is he daydreaming about this girl, but he's like daydreaming about marrying this girl. He probably didn't even know her but name. That's how, but that's how he is in, in a lot of these songs. Like I was saying in El Scorcho is the same thing. You know, he, but, you, he, know you he, say he's dramatic. But okay. So I say he's earnest. He's okay, trying to tell you that he's with, earnest. Stop with the but dramatic. You keep saying thing. that he's dramatic because I'm mad. Okay, I'm mad that you call I know my brother okay. dramatic. But but I'm I'm referring back to El Scorcho, the song prior to this. This is one that was one example where he he made up this entire scenario in his head of him being with this girl and marrying her and you know having kids, doing all that shit. And like there are multiple moments on this record where he does that. I mean, he just he fantasizes and he daydreams about these girls so much, but then in the end. You know, something happens and they're not together for whatever reason. So it's this constant theme throughout this record. Yeah. And and, and like you said, and like we were talking about, it does go in line with kind of what happens in Madame Butterfly. You know, it's he essentially Rivers is the woman character who is constantly cheated on, kind of. No, Rivers it's is kind Pinkerton. Of, Rivers is the one doing the shitty things to people. In some in some in in some instances, yes. Ab- no, overall, but absolutely. But th- Overall, but there are instances also where he is the victim, where he, sure. or at least he plays the victim. But that's even, just how even it the is. songs where he thinks he's the victim, like and Get You" or no other. But one, but yeah, but more so, he is that what he's doing person. is is bad. Yeah, I mean, overall, he is like a shitty person on this record. "Pink Triangle" is the only song on this album that I think has really you could take it out, and the album wouldn't lose any of its theme or concept. 
because Pink Triangle is about nothing else than a random encounter of him falling in love with some girl that he doesn't know and come to find out she's a lesbian. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite Weezer lines came out of that song, and that's, every, everyone's a little queer, why can't she be a little straight? <laughs> that is so fucking... Okay. I don't know if that, he meant that to cool be line. funny, but that is so funny. I think that's so awesome. It's it's a cool line. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> so I... I <laughs> I did want to make make a note that I read I read I read about this, but uh, the the pink I didn't know this until this week, but the actual pink triangle was what the Nazis would put on prisoners back in World War II to identify them as being gay or as being homosexual, man or woman. So that started with Nazis. It started with Nazis. Why yeah. would you wear that then? I don't know. To maybe to show like that you know. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's a shitty part of history, but you know, let's move on from it. Why not pick like another symbol of? I don't know. That's. Maybe it's like a symbol of solidarity. I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't either. Know. But yeah, I thought that was an interesting little uh, fact about this. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, honestly, though, this this song is is solid. But I, I do agree with you in the context of the album. It doesn't really flow as well as the other songs, but. But still, it's it's good. Should I go? Should I go for it and play it? Play it? Yeah, I think it's a good, nice little like lullaby too in the beginning, like as if he's like dreaming. All right, here it is, Pink Triangle. It's a pretty upbeat song, especially compared to the rest of the album. I mean, I really the only poppier song on this record is probably "The Good Life." Yeah, "Pink Triangle" is pretty up there with the pop with the popness. But <laughs> yeah, no, solid song. Good stuff. Um, I'm dumb. She's yeah. a lesbian. Sorry, <laughs> I'm dumb. She's a lesbian. So you can rhyme with the dumb a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff. Uh, so, so the next song, uh, second to last song on the record, is uh, Falling For You. Uh, you know, the, lyrically, what I, what I was reading into this, uh, 
at this point Rivers finally gets the girl but he doesn't know how to act and you know he's just very afraid that he's going to ruin the relationship and in, like in almost like a, a in desperation he tells her that he's falling for her and in the end it kind of works you know and you know he faces fears and it's not as bad as he originally thought it was going to be that's my take on it yeah yeah that's 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 kind of what's going on here i'm i'm still i'm still seeing kind of like a lot of guilt here and and him still continuously being dissatisfied with the rock star life but he is kind of finally accepting it but now he's kind of wondering like why the like why me like why do you like me now he's being kind of like a self-doubting like that line like what could you possibly see in three chord me like what made him famous was three chords from buddy holly and almost all of blue it's like what could she possibly see in me so i i i I think i'm still going with the guilt thing here but i think this is you're right i think this is him finally as regards to his pinkerton play this is him finally actually getting the girl yeah and then should we play it or should we just jump right into butterfly well i mean there's one more important part to this song was the fact that at the very beginning there's there's like an asian woman speaking kind of and what that was was like radio interference that was picked up by Rivers Amp, and it was just divine intervention that they thought it sounded like an Asian woman, and they're doing this whole thing about Pinkerton, and so they left it in there, and that's what you hear in the beginning of the, of the song. That's kind of cool. <laughs> All right. Anyway, here, here's a, here's a little bit of falling for you because we can. Falling for you, by Weezer. This is like this to me is like a forgotten track on the record. I think the the melody and the chorus I think is one of the strongest m- things on the record. 
for sure it is. Yeah, I, I agree. It's like, it's like a, a forgotten song. But that's because it's, it's pressed up against Pink Triangle and then woo, Butterfly. So Yeah, but it's just also like, you know, everything else on this record is so good. I mean, this song is fucking great, but it's just overshadowed by everything else in the context of it all. Yeah. Which sucks. You know, it it's such a good, solid song, but... Yeah, no, it's it's really good. It's it, it was good lyrically to see, like kind of like a change in the tone, from all the, like this, the self-loathing anyway, because he finally got what he what he wanted and what she wanted. Yeah, you know? but oh my god! And then leading into the next song, oh <sighs> yeah, then it becomes like one of the most depressing things in the world. Oh, uh, so yeah, the last song on the record is "Butterfly." This is straight up about. This is like Madam Butterfly in a, what is this, like four and a half, five minute song? You know, this is like almost the, essentially the entire opera in, in five minutes. Yeah. But but the fun little note too that this is the only acoustic Weezer song officially released on an album. Yeah. The first and only, first and only. So There, there is minor minor percussion by Carl Koch, but other than that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's man, dude, it's a fucking depressing song, and I mean, like, like we already talked about, you know, the the story of Madame Butterfly and and all that. So you, I mean, we already kind of know what it's about, but I think in this context, uh, with just him and the acoustic guitar, it just really adds to that effect of how depressing and fucked up it is. There's like a lot of little things in here too that just kind of add to like the effect. So I mean, first of all, this is like one of the most emotionally rawest material rivers has ever done even like to this day that he's ever released on album or even on like like uh, demos and stuff this is insanely earnest straight from the heart and i think the cracking in his voice when he's kind of like having that emotional breakdown towards the end of the song mm-hmm. is so sad and it's just such like this track he's just like this tragic figure this rock star that rose to fame and then didn't know what the fuck he wanted, and then he eventually blew it all, like destroyed yeah. everything. And I think this song is absolutely perfect, and it's a perfect way to end this, not only this album, but like this whole tragic, you know, rock star story that he's trying to do. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, so here's a uh, here's butterfly by Weezer. With my mama's messenger Caught a lovely butterfly When I woke up today Looked in on my fairy pet She had withered all away No more sighing in her breast I'm sorry for what I did
That's the final song on this Weezer album, Pinkerton. Whew. Wow. What a closer. Damn. What a great closer to this album. No, it's, it's I don't good. even know what to say. This is this is like <laughs> this is like the party on indoor or something after jetted and just I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. The dumb comparison. I don't even know. A <laughs> uh, couple things up. A right. couple things up. So Okay. Bringing it back to the to the Madame, Madame Butterfly, there's a couple of things that he mentions in here, right? So the whole thing about the robins making their nest. Mm-hmm. In the opera, the the butterfly would ask Pinkerton, like, when are you going to come? Or she would, she, would, she would talk earlier in the opera about whether or not things are the same in America and Japan, as in, like, do robins make their nest at the same time, referring to spring, in Japan as they do in, like, in America, and he said, no, it's a little bit different, but the time isn't that much different. And so when he left, Butterfly would count the amount of times like the same robin would come and make their nest over and over and over, representing like the years and years and years that would go by without Pinkerton ever coming back. And another thing was in the play, in the opera, she would also ask Pinkerton about like butterflies and and the difference kind of in the way butterflies are treated in the United States as they are in Japan. And according to the opera, he was telling her that in America, we pin down butterflies' wings to put them on display mm-hmm. so we can see them forever so they don't leave, right? Yeah. And she, and, and Butterfly in and, and the, and the opera thought that was like weird and, and kind of horrible, which it kind of is really fucked up. Yeah, it's pretty cruel. But in the line, every, everything, every time I pin down what I think and want, it slips away. Kind of has like like that double entendre, right? Mm-hmm. Him him literally pinning down what he thinks he wants, but then making that thing resent him for doing that. But then on the other meaning of him thinking, okay, now this is what I want, but because he lagged on it, or because he's so unsure of himself, or because he's kind of a douchebag, it just slipped away. And I think just to complete this album as the perfect album, the best album of all time. Uh-huh. The perfect ending to a perfect album. The last words that are spoken on this album, just to give you, just to bring it all home with the guilt aspect. What does he say, Tyler? Say it. He says, "He says I'm sorry," over and over and over, in the <laughs> saddest way so possible. Sad, yeah. He just repeats, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Yeah. It's, wow. It's hard. It's it is pretty sad. Wow. It's pretty heart wrenching. Yeah. I don't even know what to do now. I don't even know where to go from here. Like, like every <laughs> album that we do after this is just going to be 
Bullshit. Better. Damn. <laughs> you might as well just David Jaffe it out because that's it. <laughs> no, not yet. We're almost, oh. almost there. So yeah, that that that's it. That's that's it for Pinkerton, or at least for the standard edition. I mean, we're not gonna like I said, or like we said earlier in the episode. You know, we're not gonna talk about all nine of the bonus tracks, but I, there's at least one I want to talk about, which I thought was kind of cool. But for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of it. Probably um, either you gave your love to me softly, or, or I just threw out the love of my dreams. I think it's that one, the yeah. one with the girl. It is. Sings. Just yeah, yeah, it is. Just play it because it's phenomenal. So yeah, this this song is uh is quite a banger, but definitely not appropriate for the Pinkerton album. But it still has to be has to be played. So here it is. I just threw the love out of my dreams. Oh, just threw the love out of your dreams. Yeah, out of... You had love in your dreams, but then you threw it out. (laughs) Who is that girl, by the way? So her name is Rachel Hayden. Um, Okay. Her sister is, I think his name, Petra or something, Hayden, but Mm -hmm. she was in The the Rentals with Matt Sharp and uh, Pat Wilson. But Rachel was also in The Rentals on a couple songs singing. That's cool. So that's who that is. That's really cool. Yeah, that was a that's a great song. That song's phenomenal. Does not fit whatsoever with the album, but <laughs> damn, no. that song is good. Like one of their better B sides they've ever done. Oh, absolutely! It, it's insane how many B sides they have on this record, especially in like the mid '90s era, mid to early '90s era. Like there's dozens and dozens of B sides, and that's where all like the alone yeah. sessions were that re, that Rivers eventually released. Those were yeah, all those B-sides. are good. A lot of those are really good songs. But another song that was a B-side for Pinkerton that I would I I think is absolutely phenomenal. I think it could fit on this album is You Gave Your Love to Me Softly. I think that song is so great and I think it could fit kind of in like the pink triangle area if you threw it in there. It could fit. All right. I mean, let let's check it out real quick and then uh, we'll get into it a little bit more. So here it is.
gave your love to me softly mm. by Weezer. Mm. This song definitely does not fit on Pinkerton, though. Oh, dude, it totally does. Definitely doesn't fit. No, it doesn't. It's so blue. The song is so blue. It's too sad to be it's, in blue. No, it's sad enough to be like toward the end of blue, but it definitely doesn't fit on Pinkerton. It's like a, it's like a cry. Like even though this girl is going with him, now he feels uh, overly attached to her, but he knows she's gonna reciprocate. That's like me, like lyrically, that's as far as it goes. But and the, the so song, good. no, the vibe of the song doesn't fit with the record at all. Where would you throw this song in? I I would probably take out Pink Triangle and throw in this one. <sighs> no, fight me. I don't care. No, eh, no. He's finally it's he finally though. gets the girl, and then that's it, dude. Uh, take out Pink Triangle, throw, and you give love to me softly. Bang, baby. Mm, I just made a better uh, album. <laughs> You're so dumb. Just did it. No, but you didn't because if you did, it wouldn't be a perfect album. <laughs> Just saying that. It'd be more perfect. Putting that out there. More perfect here. What are our final thoughts on this one? I mean, oh, man. we've covered quite a bit of territory on this. I, I mean, I still have plenty of notes, but we we can call it because is whatever. <laughs> What what other notes do you have? I just like random like tidbits. You, for instance, you always, you always say that you have all these extra notes, but I always feel like, like you're tired, and like you want to like go to I'm bed not. or something. I'm good. I like. I mean, okay. Another what another do you fun got fact here? is um, actually until recently, I didn't know that Pinkerton was like a detective agency, right? Dating back to like either. the Wild West days. I only realized that because when I was playing Red Dead Two. And you get chased by the Pinkertons at the oh, end. Yeah. I was like, That's who the right. fuck are these guys? And I looked it up, and they're real dudes that have existed in the past and actually still exist today. They're actually owned now by Securitas, the security agency. Oh, yeah. And um, so Pinkerton, the detective agency, actually tried to sue Weezer and Geffen for using their name. And uh, the case was dismissed because, obviously, the hardships that the album would face are more severe than the hearts of Pinkerton would have. would have faced if it would just been released under the name Pinkerton. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's just a little, that's just a little uh, fun fact for you. Yeah. I like that one. Good. I actually did read that one too, Good. but I didn't write it down. Good I don't point. know why I didn't write that's it That's fine. You don't need a lot of research. That's fine. I'll do much research for both of us. It's not a big deal. So oh, final thoughts, I guess idiot. we could, um, you're such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> final thoughts. Was, um, I mean, this album is absolutely perfect in every way that we have mentioned previously. Again, this is my favorite, all-time favorite album i can listen to this it, like if you're on a desert island and you only could listen to one album for the rest of your life this would be it and i i, I hold it that's true fair. i hold it true that's fair i listen to this album and i find something new with like every year every year of my life that i get older things change i change my tastes change this album somehow also changes and that's what makes it amazing yeah perfect three Perfect three. Wow, man. You don't get those out a lot. No, I didn't like Halloween so. candy. Fuck. Perfect <laughs> three, baby. No stinkers. All bangers for Jeff. Uh, man, so like I said, this isn't the first Weezer I ever heard, but it is my favorite Weezer. It's my favorite record from them. Like Jeff, I, I do hear something new when I listen to it every once in a while, and... um I just, I never, I never tire of this album. I, I just, I enjoy myself. I listen to it in its entirety. It's just short enough 
it's, it's like that perfect amount of time to where you don't get bored and you're like oh man i have like what two more songs to listen to like it just it's perfectly sequenced it's just, there's so many great things about this record uh the only drawback is i was a little off put by some of the lyri- by the lyrics just because i thought like i talked about i didn't expect him to be so literal with the way he he wrote his songs but you know to me that's almost in, insignificant uh, not insignificant, but it doesn't really affect the way how I feel about this record. Um, the significance comes in its simplicity. I guess so. I Let's just say that, yes. Um, so yeah, I, I give this album a perfect three. I think everyone saw that coming because I love me some threes. And I mean... I, I'm an optimistic person. <laughs> I mean, I I think a lot of albums are great, but I mean, there are a few albums I think are perfect. But also, it's it, and this is one of them. You also brought up the fact that this album is short, and that was actually by design by Rivers. He wanted this album specifically to be in that range of twenty nine to thirty three minutes, and this is kind of like right in that range. I think it's like thirty four minutes actually. Yeah. But like by design, he wanted this to be that. I think that's great. He knew. This is one of those thirty four minutes and thirty seven seconds. This is one of those albums that like I'll I'll be doing something. I'm like, oh, I'll put on Pinkerton. Like, I'll be cleaning or I'll be doing something. And, like, halfway through Tiger Sex, now I find myself just sitting down listening. Did you say Tiger Sex? T- yeah, Tiger Sex. <laughs> I'm Tiger. It really sounded like it. So, Tiger. Yoga player. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be good. But yeah, that's all I got. All right. Yeah. Great, great stuff. Um, it's... I don't know why people hated it so much, but people are idiots, and I don't know. I, it, it's great. I'm glad people love it now because it's well-deserved. So there it is, Pinkerton by Weezer. Jeff and I both give it a perfect three. You cannot go wrong with this album. Go check it out. I mean, we played this entire fucking album, essentially. But uh, go listen to it more. It's fantastic. Uh, we don't know what we're doing next week on the album of the week, but... You'll find out in a week, or less than a week, really. It's true. But uh, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Go follow us on social media, at Asinine Radio. Send us an email, Radio at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and um, yeah. Yeah. Do we, do we, Jeff, Jeff, fuck, I can't even say it. Yeah, we're just going to David, Jeff, 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 David, Honestly, honestly, the song is better than everything Blink's put out since Tom left. You're what is wrong with you? Why do you say things that you're just going to regret immediately because they're so dumb? Why would you say that? It's not, why would I regret it's that? It's not why better than everything that? that they put out since Tom has left. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's, it's not. it is. It's this. Like he's telling you that he's a fucking weirdo, and he's telling you all these things. Yeah, I know he is a fucking. But weirdo. then you call him dramatic. Because he's a dramatic weirdo. I think you're. I you think dramatic you're dramatic and a weirdo. Oh, absolutely, I am. I don't think you're just as dramatic as me. Dramatic is, and you're just as dramatic as me. L- listen to you right now. You're hysterical. You're you're telling Rivers. You're hysterical. Who he is. And Rivers is trying to tell you who he is, but you you're know not what? listening. 